So here's a quick question to start the program. What is the difference between a conspiracy theory and a known fact? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. Good friend of this program made a posting that I saw not long ago where he posed that question. What is the difference between a conspiracy theory and a fact? And he wrote that generally it's about a year. That's the difference between a conspiracy theory and what becomes factual, oftentimes about a year, maybe a little longer. I've been doing this radio program now, Truth to Ponder, for well over two years. And we have been dealing with a number of fascinating issues during this time. We have tried to be concise. We have tried to bring on people to help you understand what is going on. And I'm proud to say that pretty much we have been ahead of the curve. Now, I always get a kick out of people that will complain about a program like this. Yeah, that guy's just a whack job. He's just a nutcase. He believes in conspiracy theory stuff. And I can remember these were the people that when we said on this program that there was absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that knew what they were talking about and being intellectually honest that the pandemic that we experienced in 2020 did not originate in some meat market in China. It came out of a laboratory. And when we made those kind of statements, we were told that it was nonsensical. Of course it came from the wild. It didn't come from a laboratory. Nobody was doing gain-of-function research. And time went by, and it became clear to even the mainstream media that that was not the case. So, I had postings taken down and the Twitter account that we had started for this radio program eliminated because we had made the statement that the virus originated in a laboratory. That too many experts that knew what they were talking about said this could never have originated the way that it did in the wild. Yet, the mainstream media would shut you down. Social media would shut you down. You couldn't say those kind of things because that would destroy the narrative. We need this fearful virus that occurred in the wild. And we need governments and we need medical science to save us from all of this. When it turns out it was governments and medical science that gave us all of this. My question today is when are they, those governments, they, those so-called research scientists and doctors, when are they going to be held accountable, if ever? They knew a lot about SARS-CoV-2 because there had been a SARS-CoV-1 back in 2003 and 2004. And a lot of people don't understand this, but this was not the first go-round. And we learned a lot way back when, in 2003, 2004. For those that are regular listeners to the program, I came out of retirement to assist a county in another state in their emergency management response. 
And during that time, I had to do a lot of research to put together material to give to the news media. And thoroughly by accident, in my research, I ran across all these documents buried deep within the Center for Disease Control website that go back to 2004, 2005, including what was called an afterwash. This is a term we use in emergency management, an after-the-fact, assess what worked, what didn't, how do we deal with it, how do we plan for the future, etc. And there were all kinds of things in the afterwash document and all the research that had been done by medical scientists in 2003 and 2004 that came to some very, very acute conclusions. How to treat it. When President Trump, back in 2020, mentioned the word hydroxychloroquine and everybody went just bananas on the TV, what are you talking about? That's that's quackery science. No, it isn't. That afterwash document at the CDC website indicated the best course of treatment for a SARS-CoV virus was hydroxychloroquine. And it recommended that the government stockpile tons of that stuff so it's always available and it's cheap and it's effective. But no, you say that on social media in 2020 and even 2021 and even today... No, that's fake science, man. You're, you're, that's a conspiracy theory. I enjoy those that ridicule this program, and then when you ask them questions, they can't answer. So how do you know what you know? Well, that's what they say on the TV. Well, but that, that's not a good enough. They said a lot of things over the last two years, three years on the TV that turned out not to be true. And now we have people, you know, that, like I say, there's so many things going on in our world. And and people wonder, what was all of this COVID stuff all about? Why did we do all the things that we did? How many people truly died of COVID? We we hear all these incredible numbers. I know somebody that died of COVID. Did they? And I, I hate to put it this way, but did they? I remember somebody saying, you know, I lost somebody to COVID. The individual in question is somebody that I knew. 86 years of age, Parkinson's disease in a nursing home, unable, health declining so rapidly. And somehow he was a corona victim. And they blame Trump and the governors and everybody else that he died of COVID. I was thoroughly surprised the individual was even alive before COVID came around because of how horrifically his health had declined in the prior three years. There was also dementia setting in. Dementia, Parkinson's, other autoimmune diseases. But he died of COVID, of course. We know one thing, and like I say... It keeps getting borne out, and it's going to get to a point, I believe, in the not-too-distant future, 
that many of the things that we've been saying on this program are going to move from conspiracy theory to accepted even by the mainstream media because the evidence and the numbers and the statistics are overwhelming. We said on this program over a year ago, the summer of 2021, we said then that there were enough people that knew what they were talking about, putting their reputations and their careers and everything of their lives on the line saying, you know, these are non-sterilizing vaccines. They probably will not stop you from getting or spreading SARS-CoV-2 and any of its variants. And people were laughed at for making statements like that. Once again, a posting I made on Facebook, it was taken down as misinformation. Can't say that. It, you, you're not allowed to say that because the vaccines save lives and they stop COVID dead in its tracks. That's what, that's what Walensky said at the CDC. COVID stops with you if you're vaccinated. No, it didn't. How many times has President Biden, who's been vaccinated, what, three, four times, five times, Michelle, you know, yeah, well, you know, Walensky herself, she she has had COVID at least two, if not three times, and they're fully vaccinated. So obviously, it does not stop you from getting or spreading. And then we have all these states that had mandates for workers in hospitals or first responders. The United States military, you must be vaccinated or else you'll be kicked out. Why? Why is my is my question. Why? It's an experimental vaccine. The versions approved by the FDA and the CDC and their press conferences from August of 2021 were brazen lies. They approved something you couldn't get. You're still getting the emergency use authorization product. In other words, you if it kills you or disables you, you cannot sue anybody. Nobody. You signed your rights away. And then the FDA and the CDC, well the CDC in this case, decided to put the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines on the recommended list for children. And they didn't want any discussion about any of it. They just got together in a Zoom meeting and they voted and they said, that's it. And they wouldn't take any questions. You want to know why? Because the answers would be horrific. They would have to lie. So they just said, we recommend it. Now, why would they do this? Why would they even suggest this for children? Real easy. Now you can't sue them. Because once you put a vaccine on the recommended list for children, you lose your right to sue. These companies are held harmless. You see where we're going with this? Do you understand, you know, we've done this program now for over two years. We've been on a cutting edge. And I'm not trying to brag that I'm so intelligent. I'm just saying I have been blessed to have excellent guests and people that know what they're talking about, people that have given me information that is proven over and over again over time to be correct. And we also said on this program over a year ago, 
and even at the beginning of this program back in 2020, in the fall of 2020, that so much of this pandemic, and this was before the vaccines were ever announced, we shared with you that a lot of this pandemic is all about control. It is all about controlling your movements, what you can do, where you can do, where you can go, what you're allowed to do. And we use the term beginning in 2021, you wait, there'll be a vaccine passport. I remember saying that. I remember having a guest on this program, Dr. Timothy Gales, and he said, you watch. They'll start talking about a vaccine passport. I remember getting an email saying, you guys are lunatics. That's a conspiracy theory. You don't know what you're talking about. Let me take you to something that happened last week in Indonesia. And this may help a little bit to understand what's really going on. Now, let me see if I can get the name pronounced correctly here. This is this is Indonesia's health minister. And his name is Budi Gennady Zadikin. Zadikin. And, and he is at this G20 meeting talking about WHO, the World Health Organization. And he is saying we need a global framework and we need to issue digital certificates. Now, listen, listen carefully to what he said. So let's have a digital health certificate acknowledged by WHO. If you have been vaccinated or tested properly, then you can move around. So for the next pandemic, instead of stopping the movement of the people 100%, which clogged the economy globally, you know, you can still provide some movement of the people. Indonesia has achieved, G20 country has agreed to have this digital certificate using WHO standard, and we will submit into the next the uh, World Health Assembly in Geneva as the revision to international health regulation. So hopefully for the next pandemic, we can still see some movement of the people, some movement of the goods, and movement of the economy. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems to me rather chilling, what he just said. He's talking about health certificates, digital health certificates. Just another way of saying vaccine passports control controlling what you can and cannot do if you are or are not compliant to whatever some faraway organization like the the who the who by the way who anointed them god of the universe they've been so wrong on so many things for so long they shouldn't be trusted they've lost all credibility And so when this Indonesian official from their nation's health agencies are saying, WHO, who acknowledged digital certificate, it'll be useful for the next pandemic to allow at least some movement of some people who are essential. Yeah, we're getting back to that again. And I want you to remember, I want to take you back to 2020. I want to take you back to March, April, May, and June of 2020, when all of these experts, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Burks, 
everybody over at the CDC, the WHO, they made it very clear. This was a once in a century event. This particular pandemic. We'll never see anything like this again in our lifetimes. Unless you live to be 100 more years. You're never going to see anything like it. But they're already talking now about the next pandemic. Like it's going to happen, oh, I don't know, maybe in January. Maybe next spring. I'm beginning to think it is in the works. President Joko Widodo spoke about the pandemics of the future and our need, the world's need to set up and contribute to the new pandemic fund, which is meant to fund all of this global digital passport system. Now, judging by the statements of this of president of Indonesia, the G20 states have managed to garner support for this fund from even non-members in the date. There are a lot of them. They, got, they have $1.4 billion with a B dollars ready to go. They need another $31 billion. Hey, just call up FTX. They got the money, don't they? In a cryptocurrency. And you're seeing countries like Saudi Arabia, Australia, and Canada setting aside tons of money toward financing this infrastructure, along, by the way, with green initiatives, too. You see, the the new green and COVID are all going to be tied together. We can all work in the metaverse so we don't infect each other with COVID and we don't destroy our planet. Oh, yeah. Believe me, COVID-19 and the climate are interlinked with each other explicitly. Now, I shared this audio cut earlier this week. And I want you to listen. This is from the Secretary General of the United Nations. His name is Antonio Guterres, and he's the United Nations Secretary General. And about two weeks ago, two weeks ago, by the way, he is from Portugal, and he is a proud member of the Socialist Party in Portugal. And he is the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, of the United Nations. And listen to what he said. In just days, our planet's population will cross a new threshold. The eight billionth member of our human family will be born. This milestone puts into perspective what this climate conference is all about. How will we answer when baby eight billion is old enough to ask? What did you do for our world and for our planet when you had the chance? Excellencies, this UN Climate Conference is a reminder that the answer is in our hands. And the clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. And our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. The war in Ukraine, 
other conflicts have caused so much bloodshed and violence and have dramatic impacts all over the world. But we cannot, we cannot accept that our attention is not focused on climate change. We must, of course, work together to support peace efforts and then the tremendous suffering. But climate change is on a different timeline and a different scale. It is the defining issue of our age. It is the central challenge of our century. It is unacceptable, outrageous and self-defeating to put it on the back burner. As I said, the next pandemic and climate change are linked together. They're married to each other. And these are just a couple of the devices that will be used to tell you what you can and cannot do. Because of climate change, you can't drive on that long vacation that you used to take because, you know, your car is going to destroy the planet. My wife and I were talking the other night. We're in a solar minima. It's cold, unless you're in Florida. When Buffalo, New York is looking at getting how many feet of snow in November? Give me a break. We were told greenhouse gases and climate change, this was going to be a burning ball of fire. We're going to die of heat. Not four feet of snow in Buffalo in November. I lived in upstate New York for many, many years in my younger days. And I can remember seeing snowfalls of one and two feet. I seldom saw a blizzard of three feet. And normally you had to be in January, maybe February at the latest, to see something that bitterly cold and have that kind of intensity. Oh, it's just November, Bob. Don't worry about it. It's global warming, Bob. Don't you understand it? They, they must think we are not paying attention, and probably not. Many people simply don't. You can't keep up with all of this. You got San Francisco talking about 97 genders, and you can get 1200 bucks a month if you're gender confused. On the honor system, no less. And then you have teachers in classrooms that are teaching first and second graders this kind of reprobate nonsense. So here are some ways to help support your LGBTQ students with very minimal effort. Step one is to normalize pronouns in your classroom. So a great way to do this is at the beginning of your class to use pronouns in an icebreaker activity. So ask for your students' pronouns regardless of their identity. Um, this can be really helpful for LGBTQ students, and I also share my own pronouns as well as have them in my email signature, and I made sure they're in my TikTok bio. Another great and helpful thing to do is to switch up your greetings. So um, I like to avoid gendered language when I talk to my students, so I don't use words like guys or ladies and gentlemen. Instead, I'll choose terms like folks or my students really like guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Uh, they really relate to that. And sometimes I even refer to them as different animals, you know, just to keep it light and fun. So those are some ways to help support your LGBTQ students. And that is an actual elementary school teacher with green hair 
I mean green like the Grinch stole Christmas green hair. Talking about LGBTQ first and second graders. Or gender confused first and second graders. You know, the ones that knew in the womb that I'm in the wrong body. The ones that were not aborted. You know, people can say and laugh at this radio program. I really don't care. I really don't. Because some of what you are coming back to me saying, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. You just heard it out of their own mouths. That's what they really believe. Passports, another pandemic, the metaverse, LGBTQ students. Yeah, and you laugh at this radio program. I'm just letting you hear them for yourselves. A lot of people do not want to know the truth because if they had to face it, they'd realize a lot of this is pretty creepy stuff. We talk about this to empower you, not to frighten you. And we'll talk about the positive side of this on the other side of the break. If you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder, would you consider your financial support? We really could use it as we're going to be running out of November in the not too distant future. Our mailing address, by the way, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. Yeah, the world is, is unraveling at a high rate of speed. But you want to know something? In spite of it all, there is still hope. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I know many of you only hear the program on the weekend. I know there are a few radio stations that I'm so thankful for them, by the way, that do air the program on the weekend. And if you hear it on the weekend, would you let me know? By the way, you can also hear the other episodes during the week from our website, which can then show you where to find it as a podcast. And the website is truth2ponder.com. That is truth, the number two, ponder.com. And the program comes out every day, Monday through Friday, as a podcast. And many of you have signed up to be notified. And by the way, I'm, I have to apologize. We were running a little bit late in getting this program out. So some that normally hear it a little bit earlier, um, had. I'm sorry for the delay. I do want to share some good news. Yeah, there is good news in a lot of places right now. As many of you know, I've been fighting with a health challenge. And the news is very good. And I'm very encouraged. And these last day or two, I've been finally getting a full night's sleep where I had not been for about over two weeks. And the prognosis is very good. I'll keep you informed. 
I will be undergoing another procedure in January that will not be near as invasive as this one was in terms of recouping time. It's been difficult these past two weeks to do the radio program. But I want to thank you for your prayers. I can definitely feel God's presence in our lives and his hand of protection. And I can really, really, really feel the prayers that you have given to me. And so for that, I am everlastingly grateful. One of the things, and I want to get into this in this segment, we can talk about the vaccine passports, the control of, of how we do things, uh, the media, uh, social media, uh, these so-called alleged ministers of truth that tell you what you can and cannot say. It's unprecedented, at least here in the United States. But these agencies like the FBI and others, they're being weaponized to control and put fear into you not to express your opinion. Go with the program. Be obedient. Somebody said, what will be the currency? You know, we have a fiat currency of money that's kind of worthless that keeps getting worth less. What's going to be the currency of the future? It's going to be compliance. You comply, you can eat. You go green and you can have a roof over your head or a job, whatever. This is where we're heading to unless we stop it and unless all of us who call ourselves Christians begin to act like real Christians. Unfortunately, in the United States, the last firewall, so to speak, for this planet, many that call themselves followers of Christ or just cultural Christians, they really don't have faith. They really don't believe in anything. They just have kind of this obscure little hope that maybe when I die, I'll, I'll go to heaven. But they have no skin in the game. And if you don't have skin in the game, if you're not really in the blood wash band, so to speak, then you have nothing. We have churches dying all over the United States, across, and you go to Canada, you go to England, they're dead. They are apostate dead most of the churches and most people don't even go don't care just go in the marketplace here in the in the united states people and their foul coarse language no filters anymore just curse swear use profanity in front of children and they don't care the narcissism i feel a demonic presence at time even here in the bible belt and so we're going to have to get serious about our faith. Working on a couple of projects, by the way, and I'm going to be telling you about them next week. Now, with all that said, I want to take you back a little over three years ago. I had a chance to visit a church in my church body in St. Augustine, Florida. And I was invited to give, a, give the message on that Sunday morning. And, and I kind of cover this topic of the cultural Christian and I hope that it's not very long I hope you'll take just a few minutes and, and listen to what I said three years ago and tell me do you believe it still applies today I think that it does Heavenly Father I thank you for this opportunity to share from your word 
what you would have us understand and comprehend today. I pray that you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive. For this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have gone to a wedding? A wedding of somebody that doesn't normally go to church on a regular basis, if at all, but somehow the wedding is being done by some kind of a clergyman, maybe at a beach, maybe at a ballroom, maybe in a chapel, and they always have their favorite Bible passage to read before they get deeply into the service. How many of you have been to those kind of weddings? It's kind of like the baptism to make the grandparents happy. You know, their kids never go to church. They have no intention of going to church. They're not going to ever ask their child to go to church. They're not going to take them to church, but to stay in the will... We'll get the kid baptized at the church. I recently saw that happen a couple of weeks ago. Big party, all these people at a church. But they won't be back. And I'm thinking of the mockery they'll make of the baptismal vow. The sponsors, yes, I'll make sure that they're raised in the, you know, in the truth of God's word. No, they're not. You're just doing this to make grandma and grandpa happy. I think of the beach wedding. I'll admit, many years ago, I was asked to do a couple of weddings on the west coast of Florida for family. And inevitably, these poorly schooled and unchurched 20-something-year-olds always want you, we want that passage of St. Paul about love. We heard it today, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. From the King James, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and I have not charity, I'm as a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. Of course, everybody likes the NIV version, so we ensure that we are saying we have love. And every time I've done a wedding like that for some parishioner for their kids or grandkids and they're reading that thing, I'm standing there by a beachside wanting to throw up. Sorry, I just feel like I'm waiting for the Beatles to break out with all you need is love. St. Paul has a lot to say in chapter 13 that goes beyond the understanding of God's love for us. St. Paul is making clear that love as God has ordained it, as God has given it to us, if we don't have it, we really have nothing. There we are, the, the sounding brass. If we have all this knowledge, all this education, even prophecy, but we don't have the love of God, we still have nothing. We could give everything up, but if we really don't have the love of God, you know, sometimes giving up stuff is easier than getting your hands dirty in the fight where you love somebody enough to make sure they have the opportunity of knowing God's word. 
Yet all these young married couples that would come to be married all want this chapter read because it's all about love bears all things, it hopes all things, endures all things, it never fails. And it talks about, and everybody looks at love in the most superficial way. I remember years ago learning in a catechism class at a young age that there are like seven different words for love in the Bible and each has a distinct characteristic. In the English language, we just have this one word fits all. And sometimes we lose sight of what the word really means in the context that it is given. I love French fries, but that is different than loving your neighbor. And we sometimes in our culture have redefined or even cheapened the meaning of the word as given. Married love is a type of love. The love for your children is a very protective love. The love of your pet, the love of dessert is a different type of love. And the love of God trumps all. This is what St. Paul is talking about. This love we have that God has for us that then becomes a part of us that changes us, that gives us a new character, that gives us a new understanding. This is the love that St. Paul's talking about, not boyfriend, girlfriend love as we found in high school. It's far deeper. But St. Paul has a lot more to say after he has told us about this love. He then reminds us of something to put it in perspective. That's where we never read at that wedding the next part. The part that actually ties it together. What does St. Paul say? When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Couple of contexts to put that in. Young Christians are just learning. St. Paul even uses the analogy of the child when it comes to being a young Christian. We start out on the milk of God's word. We're not ready to chew the steak. We have to grow in faith as we learn more and more. The problem today, and I'm seeing it more and more than I ever have in the last 25 years. When I look at young people today, and I'm not disparaging them. I'm disparaging the institutions and some of the families and how they are raised. Are being left to being perpetual children. They're never growing up. They're never taking on the responsibility. They're never going to understand what St. Paul says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child and I acted like a child. But when I got to a certain point, time to put away the childish things. For some reason, 
we have this arrested development syndrome that has been institutionalized. We have a lot of young, I was thinking the other day, and I'm not bragging on myself if you're anywhere near my age. I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. I was not quite 18. That summer, after I graduated, I worked literally seven days a week plowing away as much money as I could because come the end of August, I'm hopping in my little Opal Cadet with all my worldly belongings and I'm heading out into the world to pay for my own schooling, getting a job and living in another state. Didn't think twice about it, just did it. I look at some 17 year olds today They're afraid of graduating high school. What am I gonna do now? They're ill-prepared. They become dependent. What St. Paul is reminding us, and this is what ties the love together that I'm about to get to. He's saying we have to grow up. We have to learn. Then suddenly this love of God becomes a useful tool for his kingdom and for us, really does. As we grow up and we begin to see what God has done for us, then all of a sudden, the love of God in our life makes absolute sense. It's not abstract anymore. Many churches today that call themselves churches have built themselves on superficial things. They talk about love and what feels good to us, what makes us happy. They have emulated a lot of the world in order to attract a lot of people. But if the leader fails, the church goes into a tailspin, that local church. I've seen it happen over and over again church of four, five, six thousand people. Then the pastor is caught having an affair. And six thousand people becomes two thousand in two weeks. Now they can't pay the mortgage. And many of the people in the church love the songs about me and how I feel And they'll come home and say, I really didn't get anything out of church today. I don't know if I want to go back next week. Funny thing is, church is not about us. It's about our worship toward God, what we give to him. This is his hour, not ours. Out of the 168 hours in the course of the week, this is the one hour. We get the other 167. Where's the hour for him? Where is our love back to him for the love he gave us in his son on the cross? It's not all about us. One of my favorite little Facebook memes is the one that shows the first narcissistic church where it's all about me. Sunday service if we feel like it. Love that sign. And that's where a lot of people are in the church today. Over the years as we have taken the sovereignty of an almighty God out of our culture. 
to any restaurant on a Sunday morning and you'll notice how many people will not be going to church today, have not been to church, and they're not Roman Catholic where they went last night. You can tell. You see, and I saw this up in Georgia one time, early on a Sunday morning I was having a quick bite before I had to speak, and I'm there and I see this father sitting at a table with two children, no wife there, and you knew this was his weekend. And all three have got their face in the phone, not talking to each other at all. That's how his weekend is spent, each in their own virtual world. And I'm looking at these kids and wondering, will they ever grow up? Will they ever get out of the virtual world that they're in today? Will the Father have that love as St. Paul is talking about, the real love of God that sometimes chastises but always undergirds, that carries us in the difficult times of life? We have a hard road ahead as a traditional church body. But here's the good news. As many of the mainline churches have just consistently walked away from the faith, and other churches try to emulate more the things of the world to attract people, I'm starting to find people in their teens and 20s that are looking at the virtual world in which they're living, and they gotta go, there's gotta be something deeper than all this. We have that faith. We have that faith. We have the good news and we have the message. St. Paul concludes the chapter with these two verses. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know even as I am known. St. Paul says we have a job to do here. We may not understand all the nuances. We may not have all the details quite figured out because it's hard for us to comprehend this love of God. But when that day comes and the race is done, then we'll know fully. And then he concludes, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love, these are the three most important things, but the greatest of the three is that charity of God, that love of God. I have a hard time comprehending this deep love that Jesus has for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've looked at all the gifts and opportunities he's given me in spite of myself. And I'm learning, as an old hymn said, to love him more each day. Because as I grow up in the knowledge of the faith, the easier it is to understand and receive the love he has for us. We have a lot of work ahead of us in a very changing world that is increasingly hostile to what we hold dear. We need to learn that love that's the most important thing, the true love of God, not the superficial love of the world.
the love of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that I've been able to share from your word. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we begin to understand the depth of the love that came in the form of your son, Jesus Christ. That we begin to comprehend and grow in your word. Stop drinking the milk, but desire the fullness of the word, the depth of the word. That the word become a living part of us. Father, I pray for this church that it begins to fully comprehend the mission and the goals you have for it, and that people will be on board as your Holy Spirit directs. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this congregation, and I thank you for the love that you give each and every one of us. For this I ask in Jesus' name and all the congregation said, amen.
God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. We live in a very difficult time. And so many people live in fear. I, I meet them all the time. Bob, is it going to be World War III? What's going to become of us? Are we going to starve to death? Are the lights going to go off for months on end? Do I need to stock up on food or ammunition or whatever the case may be? Well, of course, I will side with what Scripture says. Be prepared. There's the parable of the ten virgins, five that were wise, five that were foolish, five that came prepared with extra oil, five that did not. So, of course, common sense is a gift from God if we choose to use it. But the most important thing we can do, and this is what Christians today are failing to do, is to be in community with each other, to be in prayer for each other, to be ready to help and care for each other, to support each other. When times get difficult, See, in the United States, in Canada, in, in Europe, Christians didn't worry so much in the last couple of hundred years about being martyred for their faith. In the United States, until just recent times, people of faith who were Christians never worried about losing their jobs, losing their positions. Having banks tell them we don't want you as our account holders. Yeah, that does happen. People say, but Bobby, is that for real? Yes, it is for real. Look at, look at these businesses being sued. The United States Senate is talking about a passing a bill that the House would pass while it's still in Democrat hands that'll be signed by this president, which makes same-sex marriage well, sacrosanct. And if you don't believe in it, you will be silenced. You will be shut down. You will pay a price. Just like you have to be compliant for the Green New Deal and everything else that comes down. We need to be in a parallel world. You know, the Bible says we are in this world, but we're not of it. And so why do we work so diligently to invest in the world and not into the things of God. Now next week I'll be talking about a couple of church plants and a few other things that are going on in the background that I haven't had a lot of time to tell you about. It's going to be an exciting week next week. If you believe in this ministry, I really need to hear from you today. Would you consider making a financial gift to keep us on International Shortwave? If you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, the mailing address is Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, Chilhowee, Virginia. Chilhowee spelled C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee is 24319. That's 24319. By the way, you can go to our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. You can find that mailing address, other ways to support the program, and other ways to hear the program. And until next week, 
May God richly bless you is my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.